can get to this point where it's like, how could anyone else ever love me if a parent can't love me enough to stay? When I was eight, my mum left. I don't know whether I felt like it then, um, but it's definitely been something I've had to deal with since then of feeling like unworthy and unlovable. Yeah, not worth like fighting for. You're listening to Messages of Hope. Fox, welcome to Messages of Hope. Have you ever felt unloved and not worth fighting for? Sophie was eight when her parents separated. Over the years since then, she's been learning how to rise above the hurts and discovering that there's more than one kind of family. Sophie, thanks for sharing your story with us today. Can you remember what it was like growing up before your parents separated? I think I was probably too young to notice what was going on. Um, So it wasn't until mum actually came and said, hey, I'm leaving, that it was like, okay, something's wrong. But yeah, I don't remember being like having an unhappy childhood. So like we had a lot of fun, you know, we went on family holidays and did all that, that sort of stuff. So it probably was a little bit of a shock actually when it happened because I hadn't sort of seen it coming. You were eight years old when your parents separated. Can you remember how you felt about it at that time? I didn't deal with it very well at all. Um, It's really interesting talking to a friend of mine whose mum passed away around the same age and she went straight back to school the next day and just wanted to be around people. Um, It was three weeks later, my my dad, because it was mum that left, um, dad had to get the principal to come over um, and drag me back to school because I didn't want to go. So I don't know exactly what it was that I was feeling, really hurt and a bit confused probably, but um, I just didn't handle it very well. Didn't want to deal with anything that was happening and sort of just shut myself off a lot from the rest of the world. In what ways did you shut yourself off? I just wouldn't talk to anyone, like physically shut myself off. So um, when dad brought the principal over to drag me back to school, um, I hid behind the couch as an eight-year-old. That's kind of the logical thing to do when, you know, someone's trying to come and get you to do something you don't want to do. And yeah, just didn't really talk to people about how I was feeling, which again, in hindsight, not the best option. Can you remember what you felt back then about yourself? I don't know whether I felt like it then, um, but it's definitely been something I've had to deal with since then of feeling like unworthy and unlovable. Um, And the way I often say it when I'm talking to people about it is you get to this point where it's like, how could anyone else ever love me if a parent can't love me enough to stay? Um, So that's been a really difficult thing to work through. I don't know if that was something that I felt right away or if it's been a process of um, having to deal with the emotions, but definitely unlovable, unworthy, yeah, not worth like fighting for. Mm. How have those feelings affected your life? Massive, massive question. I think a lot of the emotions that I've felt because of being a part of a broken family, so the feelings of being like not worthy or not good enough and all those sorts of things, I, they, were, they be, kind of became a lens for how I saw the rest of the world. So every, every time I had an interaction with someone or didn't get a good enough grade at school, um, I'd be seeing that through the feelings of not being worthy. 
or not being good enough. And so it's been a long process to get to the point where it's like, okay, that's not who I am and having to learn different tools. So having to um, put things in place for when all of those emotions take over. And so for me, it's just a process of, you know, going through the Bible and finding all the cool things that God says about who I am because he's, you know, adopted me into his family and then just speaking those things over myself um, whenever I'm not feeling like I can keep going. So that's been a a big thing for me this year. Mm, So that's over 16 years. There are still things you have to face. Yep. Um, Even though I've been through the whole process of like forgiving you know, both my parents and there's still a level of emotion that comes up every time I talk about it. And so I think like I've forgiven them, but there's still um, like underlying hurts that um, I don't know whether they'll always be there or whether or not that's another thing then to work through. But yeah, so it's definitely an ongoing thing and the emotion can still be very raw some days, Mm. which is a crazy thing to think about, as you say, 15 years later. So You mentioned being adopted into God's family. So does that mean you weren't a Christian or involved in church before? Yeah, that's right. Uh, When I was a fair bit younger, uh, we had these crazy Baptist next door neighbours and they um, invited us to go to the Lutheran church that they were attending. And for some crazy reason, my parents said yes to that. Um, and we started going to church, but uh, none of us really understood, I think, what we were doing or why uh, we hadn't had anything to do with the church before then. So um, I may have been sitting in church for a long time, but I would say that it wasn't until I was 13 when I experienced God's love that I would actually like that was kind of the starting point of my Christian faith. Um, and before then, I was uh, sort of dragged along to church and kind of ignored as much of it as I could. Then later on, when my family fell apart, Uh, We were still involved with the church, uh, but even though the church handled it well, uh, my family one by one decided to stop being involved with the church. But by then I was involved and had found a place and so I decided to stay. The youth community in the churches really kind of just supported me through that. And so I was even talking to someone at church on Sunday and she was like, so wait, you're the only person in your family that goes to church. Do you ever feel isolated? And I was like, no, the families in the church have adopted me. Um, Some of the young people that I mentor, um, their families have sort of adopted me into their families. Um, They invite me over for dinner and they're just really lovely. So I think that's possibly the most overwhelming thing about everything that's happened is that um, the church really has become my family like they're the ones that are always there Um, they definitely have become the support network that people with families who aren't broken would possibly have within their family so it's been really cool my point of no improvement what are the death i still dwell in i try to excel But I feel no movement Can I be free of this unreleasable sin? Never underestimate my Jesus You're telling me that there's no hope I'm telling you you're wrong Never underestimate my Jesus When the world around you crumbles He will be strong, he will be strong. You're listening to Messages of Hope. When Sophie's parents separated, she wanted to hide away from the world. Years later, she mentors young people and has a visible leadership role in the church. Sophie, you obviously don't shut the world out anymore. Mm-hmm. How did that change come about and when did you start to let the world back in? Dad kept taking us to church and so um, when I was in year eight, 
I guess one of the expectations of us was to go on a Christian camp called Christian Life Week. Um, I still remember throwing a tantrum because I didn't want to go. And like, you know, what person in your eight throws a tantrum? Couldn't really imagine why going away for a week with a bunch of you know, Christian people would be the cool thing to do, um, but went anyways, or kind of got forced to, I suppose. And it wasn't probably until like, I mean, I had fun the first few days, but it wasn't until kind of later in the week when one of the other leaders on camp shared her story about what had happened um, with her family, and um, she'd come from a broken family as well. And she shared, and I don't remember much from that night besides crying a lot and not knowing why, and. Um, One of the explanations that, you know, I've been given since that I kind of like is that, um, you know, when when God's love fills you so much that everything else kind of has to come out. And so whether that's tears or whatever, um, that's what it was for me. But I just remember feeling loved for the first time um, and probably feeling peace for the first time as well in that sort of five years and just not being angry anymore. So that's pretty cool. Just like that? Yeah. What was it that made that happen? I have absolutely no way to put it into words. Um, like God's love is just so good. Like there's still a lot of um, pain and stuff that had to be dealt with after that. But I just remember going away from that night feeling very free of a lot of the things I've been carrying for so long. So mm, mm. yeah. Do you still have a relationship with your parents? Yes. So um somewhere down the track of, um, so that was year eight, the youth camp experience, still was going between both houses right up until I was in year 11 um, when dad moved to Adelaide to work. And so we were forced to stay with mum full time, which um, putting us in the house full time, you know, with a parent that you were angry with was interesting, but we kind of just had to learn to get on with life. And so lots of conversations have happened since then um, about like why it's happened. They they both kind of decided when I turned 18 that I was old enough to hear both sides of their story, which is a bit special and a whole bunch of other things to deal with. Yeah, so you still have a pretty good relationship with both of them. I'm still kind of, you know, their child and we still have arguments about silly things um, as all children do with their parents. But yeah, it's definitely been a lot of reconciliation. Um, and they even to the point where they sort of get along now, which is kind of cool. What's helped you to forgive? Um, definitely nothing in me. If I think if it was left to me to be forgiving, I wouldn't because I l- love holding a grudge. But I think understanding that God loves me and that, you know, he's forgiven me of more than I could ever have to forgive anyone else of um, and going, well, part of him forgiving me is because I need it, but also part of him forgiving me is teaching me how to forgive others. And so it would be I guess the way I see it is it would be horrible of me to accept his forgiveness for everything that I've done um, and not to extend that same grace and forgiveness to others. Have there been benefits then to that forgiveness? <laughs> Definitely uh, benefits around Christmas and Easter when the whole family gets together because obviously you can imagine if the anger and unforgiveness was still there that makes family gatherings a little bit awkward. But I think just the idea that not forgiving and holding on to that anger is actually really detrimental to you as a person. And so the amount of weight that you carry around holding onto the anger and bitterness and unforgiveness um, isn't actually worth it. And I think 
I'm one of those people who when I'm feeling really stressed or really angry that it outworks itself physically in my body. So I might get sick or I might get, you know, bad migraine and holding on to that sort of stuff really does make me sick. And so I don't know if other people experience that sort of thing, but in terms of like forgiving was the right thing to do, but it was also like just better for health reasons to let that stuff go. So it hasn't been easy, but it's been the most worthwhile thing. So. Thanks Sophie for sharing with us today. In closing, what's important for you about sharing your story? Sort of the first reason I share my story um, is to be able to say that, like, I've walked through this and it's been, like, God's love and what Jesus has done for me on the cross that's gotten me through. I, I seriously think that if it wasn't for, you know, meeting God on that first youth camp, um, if you take God out of the equation, like, I just can't even imagine what my life would be like if I had of let the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness continue. Like, I just don't even want to think about what life would have been like if I had of not let go of that stuff. But I also love to share my story because I think what a testimony to the world for them to hear. Like, I've walked through something that I um, wouldn't have chosen, that I didn't like, that I wouldn't have asked for, but that God is still good in that. For me, it's a matter of, um, I think it says Second Corinthians 4 at the end of that passage. It's, um, so we fix our eyes on the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen because the things that are unseen are eternal but the things that are seen are temporary and I go well my circumstances are the things that I see and they're the temporary things God's the thing that's unseen but that's eternal and so it's just a matter of choosing that no matter what I walk through no matter what situation I face that God is still good and that he's going to work all things together for the good of those who love him You're telling me that there's no hope I'm telling you you're wrong Never underestimate my Jesus But when the world around you crumbles You will be strong, you will be strong I think I can't, I think I can't But I think you can, I think you can I think I can't, I think I can't But I think you can, I think you can Gather my insufficiencies and place them in your hands. Place them in your hands. Place them in your hands. You've been listening to Messages of Hope. For free PDFs, videos and podcasts about how God values you, go to messagesofhope.org.au. That's messagesofhope.org.au. Or for a free booklet, call us on 1-800-353-350. That's one 353 But when the world around you crumbles, you will be strong. Never underestimate my Jesus. You're telling me that there's no hope. I'm telling you you're wrong. Never underestimate my Jesus. I'm Richard Fox. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope. Real hope to cope with life's challenges. 